A very warm welcome to this World Game Changers podcast, where your host, Paul D. Lowe, embraces many crucial conversations that compassionately contribute towards creating a better life and world. Paul's intention is very simple, to help get people's inspirational insights and motivational messages out into the world so others may benefit. Hello, listeners, and welcome to this World Game Changers podcast episode Today, I'm joined by a gentleman from Belgium. He, uh, he's been on quite a few episodes previously, but not for some time now. And I say for some time, that's assuming you listen to episodes consecutively. His name, Punit Bartia. Punit, a very warm welcome to you, sir. Thank you so much, Paul. It's a pleasure to be here. And listeners, Punit and I have spent quite a lot of time creating a book. And that word creating. So what we thought we'd talk about in this, uh, this two-part series here is creating impact. Two very simple words, it, creating impact. But it conjures up some, some kind of power, doesn't it? Just, just listening to myself use those two words, creating impact. Very powerful, isn't it? It is, indeed. Because... When we are living our lives, when we are doing things, the whole aspiration as human race is, have I left an imprint? Have I done something worthwhile? And essentially what we are saying is, have I made an impact? Have I created an impact? But the big question is, how do you create an impact? Are we creating an impact? And that's the story that you and me have delved into in this book through mini stories, through concepts, through tips and tricks, through skills, through strengths that we need to develop or we have, but we need to focus on and then create impact that we all want to do so dearly in our lives. And, you know, as part of that uh, book that we created, listeners, as, as Ponit says, you know, we, we started off by telling our story. Um, Ponit, maybe a good starting point for this uh, for this little journey that we're going on is, is to share with our listeners what your story was about. Well, that's a good idea. And before I do that, maybe I elaborate what do they find in creating impact. So creating impact is about three parts. One is about finding you. Who am I? What's my purpose? Why do I exist? So being aware of yourself and mastering your inner game that is being clear on what you want to communicate, what you want to change, what's and having clarity on those things. And as you do that, the second part is more around moving to prosperity. That is, how do you become from good to great? Now, that sounds cliche, but then we talk about health, wealth, and others. That is the how principle. Health, others, and wealth. What role do they have to play in your life? And finally, we talk about being from ego to spirit, that is being of service, because that's when you create the largest or the greatest impact. And we talk about managing fear, how do you respond to fear? And then we also have some bonus thoughts that we talk about. So talking about my story as Paul that you have asked, I think like everyone else, I also have a story. And in my story, I don't have those fancy American things like there was this issue and that issue or that. 
I'm, I come from a simple background from India. And I was born in a, I would say, middle-class family. And I didn't pay much attention to humans, emotions, feelings. It was more about keeping things to myself and growing, growing as a person, or rather growing meant doing a good job at work. By the time I was 25, I had completed my engineering, completed my schooling, and found a good, decent job. And I moved to South Africa at the age of 25. And that's when a shift started to happen. And I started to see that there are perspectives, there are ways of thinking, there are ways in which you can be yourself or you can be somebody else. And that's when I started to realize that there is more to life than what we can see or what I was seeing, I would say. So from there on, I went to Europe. I did my MBA and cutting long story short, I was in the top 25 of a bank and I was on the top of the world. And as life would have it, when you think you're on top of the world, it will bring you completely opposite. And then I had a situation in which a manager thought I don't do good job and maybe I need to find something else or I'm not fit for the job. And that made me think, is it really? Meaning a few months ago, I was in the top 25 and the top of the top 25, the winner. And now this, who am I? What are my strengths? Why am I here for? Do I want to be in this corporate rat race? And what do I want to achieve? If one person comes and changes the story, is it the outside world that's going to determine my story or my story will be myself? And my beliefs were shaken. My philosophy was shaken. And then I started the journey of finding myself. And I came across with help of a coach to understand that I'm an action-oriented person who succeeds in challenging situations. By simplifying, by putting structure, by making plans, by creating collaboration amongst different teams. And I ensure people are updated and they can count on me. And I count on them to be empowered and trusted. And more importantly, I'm a quick learner. So this shift from being unaware to being more aware, because I can't say fully aware, because awareness is a journey, meant every one of us to be truly successful has to know do we have an intention and what is this intention about? I call this self-intention. What do you want to become? What kind of impact do you want to create? And then it's also about the next step. That is, you decide, do you really want to go for your self-intention or do you want to say, okay, life is happening, let it happen. Do you make life happen or life happens to you? Then, of course, it becomes abstract because you need to understand who you are, what your behaviors are, what you're good at and so on. And finally, you got to manage yourself. And when you manage yourself, you manage yourself, you manage your emotions, you manage your ambitions, your intentions. And eventually you aim to become a master of these things. Nobody's a master. Some days you are, some days you're not. Some days it's horrible and some days it's great. But you see through and you're aware of, okay, I'm having a bad day today and I'm having a good day today. On the good days you write through. And then it's practice, practice, practice to becoming a master and I would say self-actualizing yourself. 
that is becoming the best version of yourself. So that's my story. That's how I went through from being a very limited aware about my feelings, emotions, and thoughts to being more aware and more understanding of who am I and being able to manage my emotions and uh, thoughts. Mm. I'll tell you By what, the way, Paul, you had an interesting story as well. Why don't you tell us your story? Yeah, um, I will do, Pony. Just hold that thought for a moment, though, because I just want to focus in on um, on your account then. Obviously, I know you personally, so I have the benefit of, um, you know, of sharing a great relationship with you. But for the benefit of the listeners, Pony, I want to single out five words that you said there when you said, I didn't pay attention to my feelings. Didn't pay attention to my feelings. You know, what would you say to a young ponnet now that was saying, you know, say you've got a young mentee under your wing and he said to you, ponnet, not paying attention to feelings. What would you say to that ponnet? I think there's a sh- there was a shift in perspective from what I see in summary. I was looking for things outside of me. Like somebody would come in, a Santa would come in and hand me something off. And it's my responsibility to take those things and almost expect those things from others. And nobody was coming, no Santa was coming. And there was a feeling of disillusionment and whatever was coming through was also not being appreciated. And compared to that, now I believe at least I need to be clear on what I want to do, where I want to be. And then I can do mix and match saying this I have achieved, this I haven't, and this I need to. And then at least in my mind, I'm taking action towards where I want to be. And that's what I call awareness because along the journey, in the first situation, when you're looking for things outside, inside there's emptiness. You're not aware of what you're thinking, but you're always chasing a mirage saying, I want this, but you have, you're not even clear on your goal. You want it, but you don't know what you want. And whatever you get it is short of what you want because you've never written it. You've never known it. While in the second case, since you have written it, since you have known it, and since you are working towards it, and you are aware of when you achieve it, you are slightly happier. When you're not achieving it, you're slightly cautious, but along it, the way you are satisfied. So if you equate satisfaction, happiness, and all that in a neutral way, you're always feeling good or more times feeling good than otherwise. And that's the huge difference. It's inside-driven versus outside-driven that I found a shift about. Mm, thank you. So to go back to your, um, your invite to me, Punit, to give an overview of my, my story, and I'll make this quite brief because obviously as, as one that's hosted over 400 episodes, um, listeners, I think it's fair to say that uh, you're kind of aware of my story now, but uh, you know, in the context of this, um, th- this creating impact thread that Punit and I are, are creating, I will share, I'll recap it. And it's one that really started, well, it started when I was born, obviously, as it do with all of with, with all of us. And, and I am gonna I'm gonna stress at this point, listeners, it's a story. One of the things I've learned over, over the years of my journey is now it's a story. You, you know, one might argue that it's a reflection of past, you know, true past historic events that did take place. Yes, you could. But more importantly, what I've learned, listeners, is it's not so much the experience as 
the meaning, the emotion and the feeling we give that experience, particularly when it's past. So just hold that thought for a moment. But to dive in. So from early childhood, my mother, I was brought up with my mother and my grandmother. Very, very, very poor, but blissfully happy. And that changed when I was eight, because that was when my mother remarried a guy. And to cut a long story short, with you know, that ensued then six years of torture, darkness, just horrific, horrific existence. There was violence in there. There was cruelty. There was, I mean, it was just, it was, it wasn't even, a, it was barely as an existence. And, you know, that from an early age then made me dependent on violence because I was surviving and also alcohol because that numbed the pain. Initially, the physical pain, but you kind of get used to physical pain. I think, you know, you can condition the body and the mind just to overcome physical pain. Um, in fact, it almost becomes a badge of honor. Uh, and it did for me. But what is very, very, very difficult to shift listeners, as we know, is emotional pain. That's a different kettle of fish altogether. And that's where, where I've learned over the years to liken the term. You know, if we go into the C drive of our computer, we need to go in and change the program completely to get rid of any emotional viruses we may have. We can't just paper over the cracks with emotions and feelings. They're too deep rooted. We've really got to go in and sort them. And that takes courage and that takes persistence uh, and it takes belief and faith. And there's a lot of things that play in that. But one of the things I love what Punnett said there was, around the mentor a coach because by having a coach or mentor you've got a guide on the side you've got somebody that's not down that dark hole with you but they're at the top almost they're standing with the rope saying come on you can get out of that hole i'm standing here at the top with you i'm strong and they're helping you to get you know get out of that hole so i love what you said there upon it around that coaching and mentorship because knowing what I know now, and isn't hindsight a wonderful thing, listeners, turning the clock back, I mean, I suppose, you know, when I was a kid, things like coaches and mentors, unless you was into sport, um, there weren't really a thing that was very common like, you know, they are now. But I would certainly have engaged, uh, and I suppose in a different way, I did have some mentors around me. Interestingly, in the form of women folk, I didn't trust guys. I did not trust guys at all. I just wanted to fight them all the time. Um, and, and that was part of my conditioning because my part of that experience, and I share this point because it's relevant to all of us, not exactly the same context, but the principles the same. You know, we learn behavior, we learn habits, we create beliefs around what's you know the influences around us and our environment our peers our parents our school our community you know we pick up this stuff and we learn to fit in because one of the you know the basic things that we have as a human being is i want to be loved i want to belong it's just a natural reaction within us and so you know i was no different but actually then become very different because I just learned to be so independent that, and I didn't trust people. So, you know, a slight caveat on that, 
I did trust women folk, although that got tested in later life as I had relationships. And um, some would say through my own folly, listeners, had my heart broke a few times. Um, you know, the demon drink <laughs> had a few uh, influences in that respect, but that's, that's a whole new story. So what prevailed was these years of topsy-turvy, drink-fueled addiction and self-sabotaging, self-hate. You know, the seeds had been planted as, as a child and, and, you know, they were nurtured. And drink did me no favours at all, although I would actually say it did keep me alive. That's uh, a very contradictory statement. I didn't have a great quality of life, but it kept me alive because I created an identity on it around a hard drinking, hard hitting Irishman. And it gave me some sense of, well, a badge, a hat to, you know, this is who I am. Clearly, it's not who I was but it gave me a sense of purpose. And that's a key word in, in the book that we wrote, isn't it? Purpose. Purpose, listeners, is massive in our lives. It gives us a direction. My purpose for many years was to drink. Now, that was not a self-empowering purpose in many respects, but I repeat, it actually kept me alive. Because if I had not got that either, I would literally have had nothing. And that was actually against the backdrop of being married with a young family. And then when I was off the drink, I would really go to the extreme, build myself up, you know, do high level courses, create lots of charitable endeavors, you know, serve those less fortunate, only to self-sabotage it because I had deep rooted hatred, self-hatred and deservedness issues. And I couldn't sustain anything that I was doing, whether that was good all bad. So, I mean, I'm going to pause there on it to, um, you know, if there's anything you want to question about that, rather than me just keep going on and on and on. No, I think uh, you've been quite precise and quite profound in your explanation. So I don't have any specific question, but maybe moving on, I would ask, so that was a profound story. What were the three lessons you learned from that? Oh, what a great question that is. Um, oh, blimey, I mean, <laughs> this episode, listeners, just on that one question alone will probably take about 300 years because <laughs> we could dive in at so, so many, uh, so many different angles. I mean, you know, the importance of health. You know, this is really where the, uh, uh, the how model was created from. Health, others, which is a way of saying relationships and wealth. That was one of them. Um, another model that I created upon it, and we've not kind of wrote about it too much in the book, although I think it's been uh, mentioned, is, is the three pillars of life model, which I was really pleased when, you know, when I worked on this, because at the time, when we talk about mentors, I was actually being mentored by a gentleman called Jim Britt, who was Tony Robbins's mentor. And Jim actually in rubber stamp to prove the my three pillars of life model. And that was based on purpose, prosperity and philanthropy. And that was based on my own real life experiences. So purpose, we need a reason to get out of bed in the morning. Well, mine was to drink. And it's not a very good one, but it was enough to keep me alive, as I keep saying. But that's not enough in itself. We want a better quality of life than just getting out of bed to drink. 
So that brings in the prosperity, the warmth, the love, you know, financial prosperity to enjoy good things in life. And then when you've been on that journey of not only just existing with a purpose, but you are enjoying life through prosperity, I fervently, fervently believe, listeners, we have a duty as a responsibility as individuals to give back to the world, to our fellow man. And I really do believe that. That comes in the form of philanthropy. So two really different models in many respects. Upon it. One is the, the broader, the macro model of the three pillars, purpose, prosperity, philanthropy. And then the other one is the how model of health, others and wealth. That's interesting. So I think if you look at the book, we have almost captured the same things in different words. We also have three parts. And you talk about the three P's and then you talk about the how model, which we also covered. And if I may add, I would also add something called the other P that's philosophy. Because while you have the purpose, while you do the philanthropy and while you do everything else, you got to have a philosophy which drives you and drives your thoughts and drives your you as a person. Because if you believe or whatever your, the belief system behind, like you were talking about the self-sabotage, so if that philosophy or the background uh, noise is corrupted, your actions sooner or later will also be corrupted. So you've got to fix that philosophy aspect as Jim Ron says, that own have philosophy, have a philosophy, listen to everyone, but create your own philosophy. So that's an, another important P I would add that we have included in our book as well, not exactly a SAP for philosophy, but have covered that as well. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I, I smiled when you when you said Jim Rohn, because as I've mentioned, Jim Britt, um, my mentor, Jim Britt was actually Jim Rohn's business partner for 10 years. So, you know, these little ironies um, upon it that, um, that you're talking about there with philosophy. Yeah, um, I mean, absolutely. You know, we have a we have an outlook on life. And, and, and the key thing is own it, you know, own your own truth, listeners, whatever, have the courage, dare, dare to own your own truth, you know, don't try and be somebody else, because everyone else has taken anyway, be yourself, one of my five values, life, learning, loving, legacy, and loyalty, one of my five values, loyalty to thine own self, be true. Whoever you are, whatever you are, you're not going to be everybody's cup of tea. And that's fine. And neither do you want to be. But so long as you're true to yourself, I would say you've got the greatest gathering in the world. Right. And do you want to talk about the fear aspect of it? Because the fear also plays a part while we talk about the philosophy, the purpose and everything. But there's the fear of missing out, fear of other things that drives people, that pulls people down. Would you want to talk a bit about that as well? Because we do yeah. talk about that, the doing things with love and not fear and the fear pandemic. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and thank you for, you know, for bringing this one in, it because this is absolutely vital in all our worlds and in all our lives. You know, irrespective of who we are, black, white, young, old, gay, straight, rich, poor, those totally irrelevant labels, totally irrelevant labels, listeners, 
But as Pongit alludes to there, there's a seven-step process which basically takes us from fear to new purposeful living. And that first part, as Pongit yet again has alluded to, the fear pandemic. So at the time of this, uh, this podcast conversation between Punit and I, we're in the midst of this, this COVID pandemic. And that's been devastating throughout the world, as we know. And not wishing to appear insensitive to, you know, or, or undermining in any way, shape or form the devastating effects it's had. I would put across listeners that there is something that's been far, far, far more destructive over well, since the year docked, and that's fear, the fear pandemic. And so what do I mean by that? I'm, what I mean by that is fear, it's a bit like drink. Fear is a great servant, but it's a terrible master. Don't let fear be your master. It's there, it's a natural part of us, and it can be really useful. But don't let it boss you. I use the metaphor, don't let the tail wag the dog. The dog will tell the tail. And so we are the dog and the tail is the fear. We will control the fear. We can. It's a choice. You know, there's imagined fear and there's real fear. Going back to the story of the saber-toothed tiger, um, you know, chasing the caveman. The caveman had the, uh, I don't know if wisdom's the right word on it, but to run or to take shelter, or to, I don't know, fight uh, and kill the saber-toothed tiger, otherwise it'd have been eaten. That's real. That's real fear. That's adrenaline. But there is so much that goes off in our minds around what might happen. I mean, the science and statistics around this, I think, roughly speaking, it's 90% of what we conjure up in our mind with the story we tell ourselves story we tell ourselves listeners so important that 90 percent of it is just hogwash it's a story we have decided is true but there's no foundation to it and that's when fear becomes the bully and the bad master and that's what we have to be on the lookout for and be aware of very interesting i almost got lost in that <laughs> Do we still have time? Because I, I know you have your episodes for around 30 to 45 minutes. Are we done? No, no, we can, we can continue on it. We can continue because I think you've, you know, you've really struck a good chord with this fear of these seven steps. Um, but maybe, I mean, you know, if I can pass back to you to close out this first episode and ask our listeners to hold that thought on it around fear, the first of the seven steps, and maybe we close out this first episode by, by me asking you, Punit, what's your, how does fear play out in your world? How do you, what's your relationship with fear? Well, like everyone else, I also encounter face and have fears. And over the years, especially last five years, what I've learned is fear is not real. And there are, there's the good fear and the bad fear. And you have to be aware of the bad fear. So first, let me say, why do I say fear is not real? As Tony Robbins says, false evidence that appears real. So first thing is it's a false evidence that's appearing real. Because most of the fears are about this will happen, that will happen, this will go wrong, that will go wrong. Well, 
if you look at the reality right now, none of that has happened. If it's happened, that's a past. And if it hasn't happened, it's a fear. So first and foremost, we need to be aware of that it's in the mind that it is happening, not in the reality that it has happened. And when I say good fear and bad fear, there are some fears which help us. And there are most fears which don't help us. For example, I'm going to go to an exam and I'm fearful that I may fail. Now that's a good fear to have. Because right now I may be having few hours, few days, few weeks before the exam and I have a fear I may fail. So that's helping me or giving me an indication. My body is telling me, my mind is telling me, you got to work. That fear is a positive fear. But if I stay with the fear saying I will fail and I let that one week or one day or one hour go, then the fear is driving me. And that's what you meant that when fear is your master. So if fear is your master and that is driving your action that is staying in the fear, you're in for a terrible time. That is your exam would be a challenge. Maybe you're lucky, but you don't count on being lucky. While if you serve, use fear as your servant, that is, oh yes, I have this fear. What does it mean? I need to study for the exam. I'm taking a simple example because that's easy to understand. So let me study. Let me, what do I need to study? How can I pass? So the, converting the fear into a positive feeling. What do I need to do to pass? I need to study this. Let me study this. How much hours I have? Let me study and let me put that energy into that. Now, whether you will pass or fail would be an outcome of what you do in the exam, not an outcome of the fear. So if you use the fear positively to take action, to look at what needs to be done, then it's a good fear. We all have fear, but it's a question of how do you manage I mean, once I was listening to Brian Tracy and when I met him, he was talked to me about on your shoulders, we have two lions. One is the lion of courage and other is the lion of fear. The one we feed, that is the one we keep in our mind most of the time. We give it emotional energy, mental energy and all kinds of energies. That one grows. So if we are always feeding the lion of fear, that's growing, 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 and growing. And it's making our lives difficult. But if we feed the one with courage that grows, 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 and grows, and tames the other one that's on the other side, and then we are able to work better. Because if you're in the fear, your exam will certainly go bad because you will not study and all that. But if you use the fear, leverage that fear, what, what's the signal? Why would I fail? I would fail if I don't study. So that's where you need to exercise judgment and use fear to your advantage. I know most people say, kill the fear. Don't get rid of the fear. I don't say get rid of the fear because fear is a human, what do you say, emotion. It would stay, but it's a sense which is guiding you to take some action. Take that action. If you're fearful about leaving your job and going into business, the question is you're concerned that you do not have the right skills. You may not know how to do business. So now the question is, it's not the fear that you will fail in the business. It's the fear of not having the right skills. And fear is stemming from the skills factor. So address the skill factor, test it out. And then if it works, you can always leave your job. So you need to find why the fear exists and what can you do to alleviate it or manage it. So manage fear rather than snooze it because otherwise it will boomerang. Great advice. Absolutely great advice. 
I want to leave it there, Punit. Uh, before we do, I just obviously, as, as we do with, with all podcasts, um, whoever's involved in the conversation, we can use the word guest. It feels a bit actually strange calling you a guest, bear in mind that we've co-authored you know, this, this book, um, Creating... Um, creating impact calling you a guest is it just i don't know it feels clunky but i suppose in the the context of this podcast but anyway i'm, I'm rambling now listeners i'm rambling punit how can listeners find out more about you get in touch with you what are your contact details so there are many ways in which one can get in touch the simplest way is go to linkedin find my name punit bhatia you'll see somebody with a privacy, data privacy background, and that's me. The other option is buy one of my books on Amazon. The other option is contact me on my email, which is usually published, uh, or search me on social media, and you can contact me. And I would be happy to work with you, happy to discuss with you, happy to help you in whichever way, whichever stage you are, and whatever impact you want to make in your life. Superb. And as ever, listeners, Punit's contact details will be in the this episode show notes. And I just want to close off by saying that uh, what we're talking about, creating impact, is the a book which we're calling Volume 11. And it's going to be part of an 11-volume box set. So previous 10 Speaking From Our Hearts books, all brought together Punnits and, and I's book right at the end of it to kind of really summarise all the superb anthologies that have been collated really over the last three years. Three years, listeners, you know, global co-authors from all corners of the world sharing their stories, you know, around some of the stuff that Punnit and I have just spoke around now, you know, just, just inverted commas, normal, everyday people having the courage to express and share um, in the hope that others won't uh, suffer the way that they did within those experiences. So, yeah, just to reaffirm that our book, Creating Impact, is, is the 11th volume in an 11-volume box set. So I want to leave it there. We, we spoke about fear, Punit, as one of the seven steps. Maybe on the next episode, we can pick up that point. We can then go into point two, which takes us into beliefs and needs. And all that remains now, listeners, is to sign off on this one by saying, remember, the world's changing. How will you respond? Thanks very much for listening to this World Game Changers podcast episode. Hopefully you found it interesting and helpful. Drop a line to paul at worldgamechangers.org with any thoughts or questions you may have, and he'll be more than happy to respond. Remember, the world is changing. How will you respond?